electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, criminal charges imminent in the Boeing 737 MAX investigation, the FDA close to a decision on booster vaccines, and American Steel. It's back. Doesn't this represent, though, the beginning of a reimagining of the supply chain in America? Masters of scale and of triage and of speed. What it takes to build a successful business with investor and podcaster Reed Hoffman. You go home every night as an entrepreneur with fires burning that can kill your business. And so how do you do that triage? And the Fed looking at its own ethics policies after criticism of regional bank heads' multi-million dollar investments. Perception versus reality versus attracting experts in the field who wouldn't otherwise want to take on a job like this. CNBC's Steve Leisman reports. Would you have held a bucket of retail stocks while you were covering the retail business? No, definitely not. It's Friday, September 17th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Andrew, welcome back. It's good to see you. you. Some corporate news this morning. A former Boeing pilot now reportedly expected to face criminal charges for allegedly misleading regulators about safety issues blamed for two fatal 737 MAX crashes. The Wall Street Journal reporting that Mark Forkner likely to face prosecution in the coming weeks. He was Boeing 737 MAX chief technical pilot when the plane was being developed. So that story continuing now in a unique and interesting way with criminal charges uh, expected. So I was thinking it's like some random pilot. This was the guy this was in the, guy. the testing. This was the guy in testing. In testing it. Who was, yep. Yeah, not just a guy that like, didn't report that he was having some issues. This is the guy that's supposed to be uh, in charge. So we'll see what, what, what comes of that. Obviously, I, you know, Boeing... When is it going to end? The companies go through some right. things like this. It's this multi-year. From a problem. legal perspective, though, it's actually is it good for crazy. Boeing? It's yeah. actually helpful to Boeing. If I mean, it sounds so cynical. If Forkner is convicted, it's actually helpful to the management of Boeing because they right? can because then they can the point and say, "No, see over there, the criminal Previous over there." Really, right? right. They Another must have a story. paper. They must have a paper trail for this, right? There, there right. has to be something Probably, where yeah. he says, you know, you think back to saying one thing publicly and saying something else in email. Right. You, now, my Mark Forger was the one who did say different things in some of the emails. I mean, where where there actually was, I mean, in terms of some of the reporting suggesting that he 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 lied and he knew he was lying. Another big story this morning, and it's that the Federal Reserve find itself in the midst uh, of controversy. That we this is a. Uh, something we've been talking about for at least a week since we first heard uh, about Kaplan, the Dallas Fed president. This is about trading stock by Fed officials. Chairman Jerome Powell ordering a review of the central bank's uh, ethics rules regarding financial activities, uh, following disclosures that several senior officials uh, made significant stock trades or held uh, large stock investments. Uh, Last year, Senator, uh, Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren is calling for a ban on ownership and trading of stocks by senior uh, Fed officials. 
a ban that wouldn't even allow them to put it in trust or to okay. not make any trading active through? The rules that were already in effect had right. big quiet periods where you big couldn't really do anything. Uh, anyway, I don't know whether you could really gain this. As we pointed out, he's been one of the most hawkish. And then we also pointed out the irony of, you know, he, he's going to liquidate everything, I guess, agreed to right. before, tape, before he starts tapering. So, uh, you know, they're still going to be on full bore with the, with the, the prime, uh, pump priming. But I don't think that's why. He's no, I know. I'm not saying it is. It's just all. Look, the debate about all of these things is right. perception versus reality versus also actually attracting. I mean, there is the argument about attracting, uh, you know, experts right. in the field that, that aren't gonna, who wouldn't otherwise want to take on a job like this. Right. So those are, that's what that's what you got away. That would be my concern. I mean, I think there, there needs to be very tight rules so that you can't even have the appearance of impropriety with any of these situations or look like you are. Um, talking your book when you're in the Fed meeting rooms, which it didn't look like he was in this position. But the idea that you can't own anything, any I, we have rules here where you can't own individual stocks. And I, right. I, I get that. I won't, um, I'm going to I'm going to go somewhere where I definitely shouldn't go. Uh-uh. The last time I did it. You got, so, oh, boy, we all have Comcast shares. I just yeah. saw. Right. We all have Comcast shares. And it's been an unbelievable stock. And I've been here a long time. You've been here a long, yep. a long time. Robert Frank was just on yep. saying people are looking long and hard at things that they have capital gains in because capital gains rates are probably going to go up. And I was like watching that. And I went like I've always held. Com- I love Comcast. I, I love the management and I love it because. But do should I think about that? Because, you know, I'm no spring chicken and, and I got to have a nest egg <laughs> right. and I got to have a nest egg and I got to think about my family and retirement right. and everything else. What's the math on whether, I mean, am I supposed to start thinking about that? All right. You want me to tell you something I shouldn't even say myself? Yeah. Tell me something you shouldn't even say yourself. All right. I sold some on December 31st last year um, because of exactly this concern, because I thought it was going to be retroactive. Retroactive. Yeah. Interesting. Now, not a lot. It's still my largest position is Becky. My biggest position is still Comcast. About these things is Andrew. We know that. He knows how to do everything with this stuff. He's very savvy about this. You done anything yet? Are I you going to? I actually haven't. Are you going to do? Are you think? Has it crossed your mind? I just want to know as a as an investor and a father and, and a family man and everything else. Has it crossed your mind? Is this something we should think of? It is something you should think of, but I have not. I have All right. genuinely. So am I in trouble for going? I don't think I am. You're I not. Think I am. I'm yeah, following up with that. <laughs> no, when Robert Frank uh, does, does come on, I, I am going to ask him seriously about that because it, 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 you would have to think about that. And you're not being un-American or unpatriotic. No, you're thinking you? about the potential changes in tax regulation. It's right. It's, and, and it's not great. Okay. And by the way, it was probably not the right move for me to do that because Comcast shares have gone up even higher since then. Now, again, there are people who I, say the you bulk should of never, my holdings are still Comcast. But, there are people who say you should never do anything based on tax ramifications. Well, the only thing I did, I put it into S&P, like S&P into an index fund. So people at home writing all this market. down, Becky, saying, I'm going to do what this, you know, this is like some, this is some good advice. No, I'm serious. It's some good I, advice. I, it occurred hey. to me that it, with all the talk about the taxes and it potentially being retroactive, it occurred to me that, you know. It's very quiet. That, I, I, you know, his mind's working and we're not. Are you going to tell us what to do? I haven't done anything yet. So I got to, I've got to think. Well, put it into some kind of blind trust or something. I don't know what everyone's circumstances are here. So we're not going to. Well, we all have been here a long time and, right. you know, there are, you know. Certain times you might get some stock, right? Right. Sarah? The FDA panel 
planning to meet today to discuss whether adults age 16 and older should receive a booster shot of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. A vote from the panel expected sometime this afternoon. Its vote, of course, is not binding on the FDA. Of course, other countries, including Israel and the U.K., uh, have decided to initiate those booster shots. Meantime, a boom in steel demand prompting U.S. Steel to plan a new steel mill. Its location hasn't yet been determined. I mean, think about that. A new steel mill in the United States, given all the things happening. Uh, but it will be located in the U.S. with construction to begin next year. And the company aiming to begin production in 2024. Steel prices are now quadruple what they were during the summer of 2020. And doesn't this represent, though, the beginning of a, a sort of a, a reimagining of the supply chain in America? And if you could think about all the manufacturing that might ultimately come back to the country as a function of COVID and all these supply chain issues, it could be a real boom for the whole country really over think, the next decade. You don't think if, rust, if, rust Belt type stuff, but I'm sure. No, I, bet I know, you, this, but I guarantee you this companies. is like a new core. It's yeah. probably like a new core This mill. could be a thing, though. There, so there are companies that are already assembling things and doing final pieces put together, putting them in the final boxes. Manufacturers are doing that right now because right. They, they have to get it back over more quickly. There's not availability at factories over there to do it. Um, and, and, and I think that does have people kind of thinking down the road. Will this be a more permanent move? If you continue to see these supply chain issues, the head of the L.A. port who said, look, they've got a six month out, uh, outlook of this and, and they don't see things really getting easier until at least after the, the Chinese New Year. Yep. I was uh, just read a troubling piece in the journal about I've always said we, we got to cherish our pharmaceutical companies and, and the research uh, that they do. Mm-hmm. And this is you know part of the I, the I don't know how much they're raising from holding down. Uh, increases. Uh, it, it, in fact, I think we're importing some of the drug price drug uh, the drug uh, uh, the price controls from abroad, saying we can't charge more than that in this bill. It's you know it's, a, it's one of the main international sales is a big issue for pharmaceuticals too. Right. If you raise the yeah, taxes on that, yeah, but not just in, but right here it, it, the p- political raid on future cures. And if you if there's one thing we as far as supply chains and things we do here, and that's develop. Great medicine and great right. drugs and, and innovative technologies and vaccines yep. to save the, 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 the world, basically. And in one of the you know, revenue tricks in this bill is $500 billion. It's not a tax. It's, it's saving five, supposedly right. saving $500 billion of the $2 trillion. Five hundred billion of that is drug is for drug prices, and the journals take. And you know, what, it's the journal. It's the journal, and they, they but their take is that this is going to be. A, a, it's going to affect innovation. I don't know whether you believe that, but I do, and I don't like it. Yeah. I, look, you know, I've one, I only have one view, which is that the government should be able to negotiate prices. The idea that's that, not the only thing to the, say. The idea that we've at. left the, you know, we we've said the gov- the U.S. government, the largest buyer of drugs, basically in the world, can't negotiate the price and has to therefore. I mean, that that's that's where the problem I think lies. But did you read this piece? I did see it. Did you, and you read to it. They, they address the, you know, the, the your issue is, is there. if That's you are the really if you're the 800 pound gorilla and you get to negotiate prices, then you have all the control. So you go from having zero power to having all the power in the negotiation. And I, I don't know how you find some middle ground with that. Well, you definitely don't want these. You know, I've heard it so many times. Let's re, let's import drugs from abroad where they cost you know a tenth of what they cost. Well, it's because there's how, how many drugs are you seeing invented over there? There's a reason they have our drugs, but and you can't look. Well, you can't. We'd like can't to see places that can't afford it. Yeah, you'd like you, to see places that can't afford it. Maybe pay less of a, a cost than we do here. 
And the last Sears store, this goes to like what's going on in America, the last Sears store located in retailer's uh, home state of Illinois, getting ready to close for good. Company telling CNBC the store in the northwest Chicago suburbs will shut down on November 14th. Sears Holdings filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy about three years ago and was then acquired by a company called Transform Co. The company's website still lists 35 Sears retail stores, including the store to be closed in November. So steel improving in America and the Sears store, one of the, one of the last iconic, great American companies was. I know. I'm looking at something. Sears catalog. I mean, this is a sad day. The idea that Sears is closing the last store, a retail chain that goes back to the 1800s. My great grandpa used to have the catalog. It's been so bad. Shop about there. this? No, it's been bad for a long time. I, so I know, the, but I, I remember I, Arthur Martinez tried to tried to re, I remember. Re, to revamp it 30. I don't know how long. I know, 25 but this is one ago. of those moments. 30 years ago, probably. You got to you got to take stock of what's happening in it. In you remember Rain Man? It wasn't Sears, but they got together. It was Kmart. Fine. Yeah. Kmart. Remember what he said. I do. What do you say? Kmart sucks. sucks. Have you seen any movie, any cultural reference? Have you seen Animal House? Have you seen? Yes, but I, ex- I don't. I don't have a, a, uh, um, ex- know, experts or said memory like uh, an elephant. Next on Squawk Pod, Masters of Scale: The Magic of Entrepreneurship with Reed Hoffman, LinkedIn co-founder, tech investor, and he's got a podcast. Kyra Banks, how entrepreneurial she was even in her supermodel career. And these principles of entrepreneurship apply in all these other places. Surprises and delights right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Our next guest is an iconic entrepreneur and venture capitalist, and now he's out with a new book that draws on the wisdom of titans of business. I want to welcome Reed Hoffman to the program this morning, LinkedIn's co-founder, now Greylock partner, of course, and host of the podcast, Masters of Scale. His new book, Masters of Scale, Surprising Truths from the World's Most Successful entrepreneurs. Reed, good morning to you. It's nice to see you. Uh, You've interviewed hundreds of business leaders. Uh, We can name a bunch. Arianna Huffington, Mark Cuban, Bill Gates, uh, getting their war stories and their wisdom. I know it's probably like your children, and maybe you can't say which you you like the best, but was was there one, before we even get into it, that, that you appreciated more than any other? Well, all of them come with their different surprises, and you're exactly right on the, uh, on the children's stuff. But the ones, like, for example, that I was, comp- 
uh, completely surprised with, like Franklin Leonard, the founder of the Blacklist in Hollywood, and bringing systems thinking to Hollywood content, where we we'll usually have systems thinking within technology in Silicon Valley, or or Tyra Banks, uh, how entrepreneurial she was, even in her supermodel career, like, and that these principles of entrepreneurship apply in all these other places. And so it's 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 a wide range, but it's like there's surprises and delights in different directions. So, Reed, I consider you the master of scale, um, uh, blitz scaling, that is. What was the great surprise for you? Meaning, was there something you learned from one of these entrepreneurs where you said, you know what, I had not thought about that at all? Well, there are always a bunch of things that, I, that I've learned, probably not the not having thought about it all, given you know, uh, investing and Facebook and Airbnb and, and being part of the team at PayPal and, and co-founding LinkedIn. So you know, there's been a lot of, of times around this. But I would say that um, you're always surprised that sometimes, like sometimes the lesson goes to 11, like the, the lesson of speed and entrepreneurship and speed to scale being what creates these global technology platforms. And so, for example, um, with Zuckerberg, when he moved from move fast and break things to move fast with stable infrastructure, most of the world went, oh, now he's learning. And it's actually, he was like, no, no, this is still a lesson in speed. Um, and so that kind of thing where, where you say, well, actually, in fact, the lesson is important all the way to 11 out of 10 is actually um, perhaps the, the the places where I've been most like, yeah, 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 that's even more true than we thought. So I know speed is, is a big theme for you. Is there anyone who you think has actually done it, but done it more slowly and but still successfully? Well, the interesting thing about speed is it's when the speed is like when you blitz scale. So. For example, uh, Airbnb a long time was like this and then took off. Uh, Roblox a long time like this and then took off. And then it kind of looks like an overnight sensation that's suddenly moving very, very fast. And so it doesn't mean that you're moving that um, visibly fast, number of users, business model, et cetera, every single day. Sometimes you're prepping the platform. Sometimes you're getting the network set up. LinkedIn itself, many years where people thought, hey, it's this little thing that it's like a social network, but for business, not really understanding what but for business was. And so, you know, those kinds of things that you you see okay. in the speed. But so here's the complicated part, Reed. There, there, there's some entrepreneurs that sit around and they say, I can do it one of two ways. I can either just go for scale as quickly as humanly possible, try to get scale. And then there's other and, and, and try and then I'll build out the rest of the infrastructure. Once I get there, I'll deal with the regulate regulate. I'll deal with all that after the fact. And then there's others who say, I need to, as you said, lay the groundwork to get the scale later. Which really is the right way or is it, is, is it can't be generalized? It, it, it can't fully be generalized. There's principles. So for example, in PayPal, where we're going, look, we need to get the, the network to a critical mass such that like regulators would appreciate us and, and what our positive role in the banking system would be, you need to do that first. In a, something like Joby, what you're doing is saying, no, no, you need to get the certification and you need to have the complete understanding and certification of safety first before you even have one person going into it. So it depends on what the, the issue is and what the possible harms are. One of the other things that uh, you mentioned, and Fast Company covered this with you, this idea that you have to let fires burn. In terms, This is really a lesson, I think, in focus for entrepreneurs and CEOs, which is when do you focus on the fire in front of you and when do you focus on the big, big fire in front of you? 
No, exactly. And part of the thing was is the emotional thing of you go home every night as an entrepreneur with fires burning that can kill your business. And so how do you do that triage? And it isn't so you're you're never comfortable with it, but you are kind of going, look, I understand that I will get to that one later. And how do you triage them is an essential part of entrepreneurship because you jump off a cliff and you assemble an airplane on the way down, metaphor for entrepreneurship. That's a little scary. Uh, Reed, final question for you. Uh, you've interviewed so many entrepreneurs. Is there one interview or one entrepreneur rather that you haven't interviewed yet that's on your wish list? Uh, there's a number. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're, we're still working on it. Uh, previously, it was um, Barack Obama, which we uh, did uh, earlier this year. Uh, and now there's a few others that, you know, I'm in dialogues with and we're trying to figure out. You can out throw the- it out there. You can, you can make the invitation public. Maybe, maybe it will encourage them. Well, um, uh, I think we, I, I, I think, you know, respecting people's privacy and the magic of the show is part of the, is, is, is part of the, the brand promise. Fair enough. Uh, the book is called Masters of Scale, just like the podcast. Uh, it is absolutely worth a read. And uh, we appreciate seeing you again, Reed, this morning. Great to see you. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Coming up, Fed officials' investment portfolios and massive trades. CNBC's Steve Leisman has been following that money. You brought up fixed income. That's a much better thing to try to finagle. They can't really do stocks. Joe, you're scheming again. The ethics of investing for public officials when Squawk Pod is back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. It's Friday. I'm Joe Kernel along with Becky Quick and Andrew uh, Ross Sorkin. Monday, though, I feel it. Oh, Monday already? I can feel it on Friday. Enjoy the moment. Carpe diem. I just know it's coming. Fed Chairman Powell ordering an ethics review after several Fed presidents revealed large investments in stock trades. Steve Leisman has been following the story and he joins us right now with more. So, Steve, this does sound like this pretty big reaction to the story that we heard about a week and a half ago. It is, Becky, amid an outcry about Fed officials owning and trading individual securities. An in-depth look by CNBC at Fed officials' financial disclosures found three officials who last year held assets of the same type the Fed itself was buying. Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren held between $151,000 worth of real estate investment trust that owned mortgage-backed securities. He made 37 separate trades in four REITs during 2020. The Fed last year, it purchased almost $700 billion in MBS. Rosengren announced last week he would sell those positions and stop trading while he's president. The same acts as the Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan, who actively traded millions of dollars of individual stocks, said he would take. A spokesperson for Rosengren told CNBC that he, quote, made sure his personal savings and investment transactions complied with what was permissible under Fed ethics rules. Fed Chair Jay Powell held between one and a quarter and two and a half million dollars of municipal bonds. 
The bonds were purchased as early as 2015 and no later than 2019. They were just a small part of his overall portfolio. They were held, however, while the Fed last year bought $21 billion in munis, including one from the state of Illinois, from which Powell also held some bonds. A Fed spokesperson told CNBC Powell had no say over the Fed's individual bond purchases and no say over the investments in its family's trust. A Fed ethics officer determined that the holdings did not violate the Fed's ethics rules. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin, he held $1.35 to $3 million in individual corporate bonds purchased prior to 2020. He held those bonds, however, while the Fed last year bought $46 billion of corporate bonds. Barkin declined to comment. None of these holdings or trades appear to be barred by Fed ethics rules, but they raise the question, should those rules have banned officials from holding or trading the same assets the Fed bought after it widened those types of assets it would purchase in response to the pandemic. The Fed's Code of Conduct says officials, quote, should be careful to avoid any dealings or other conduct that might convey even an appearance of conflict between their personal interests, the interests of the system, and the public interest. Dennis Kelleher, he's CEO of the nonprofit Better Markets, told CNBC that if such Fed actions are not against the rules, perhaps the rules need to change. To think that such trading is acceptable because it is supposedly allowed by the Fed's current policies only highlights that the Fed's policies are woefully deficient. And as Becky said, in response to our questions at CNBC, a Fed spokesperson released a statement yesterday saying that Fed Chair Jay Powell ordered a review last week of the Fed's ethic rules that surround permissible financial holdings by senior Fed officials. Becky? Steve, I think this does get to the debate that Andrew was bringing up earlier. Look, we, we want Fed officials who have an understanding of the markets. If, if the rules are too stringent, will you then no longer lure people in who maybe have decades of experience in the markets and therefore have large holdings as a result? You don't necessarily want an all-academic Fed. Um, and I understand the concerns about the appearance of impropriety, making sure that you can't influence these things. But is there some middle ground that could be found? Well, let me ask you a question, Becky. Do we want a retail reporter at the Wall Street Journal who uh, knows the retail business and knows finances? And I'm thinking back to those halcyon days when you were the retail reporter. Would you have held a bucket of retail stocks while you were covering no, the retail No, definitely business? not. But that's what I mean. Instead of individual stocks, can you hold something like the S&Ps? Because the, when you look at it, the Fed can probably influence the S&P index more than even individual stocks. So where's the even ground with that? We, we, we don't own individual stocks outside of Comcast, our parent company, but we are allowed to trade indexes or ETFs or hold other things. Steve, um, that, you're fascinating that you brought up, you brought up fixed income, and I, I wasn't even thinking that. They can do, that's a much better thing to try to, to, try <laughs> right. to finagle. Move the they, tenure. They can't really do stocks uh, right. very they're, they're well. They're not going to move Joe, Apple like they're <laughs> they can't really do stocks very well, but I was thinking, oh, muni bonds, everybody buys on them. They're, Wait a minute. They can hold rates down and, and make sure they never lose a dime in, in, uh, as far as interest rate risk on those. And they actually buy them in QE. So all of a sudden the light went off. Ding, ding, ding. Wow, that's really, they can really control that stuff. That's awesome. What a great. So you're right. That's, but that's, it, you know, it doesn't move around a lot. It's mostly for income, Steve. Most bonds, you know, it's mostly for the, you know, coupon cutting and stuff like that. You're not always thinking about, you know, whether the principal is going to go up or down. But I guess you have to in this case. So I guess they really shouldn't do anything then. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's... I, I, think, I think you guys are both making an important point, which is that every Fed official starts off 
with a sort of inherent conflict if they own any, even mutual funds. So the question is, where do you, you know, if you start there, where do you go? It looks like Powell has an interesting structure where his family trusts he doesn't control them. So that's interesting in and of itself, um, uh, which is one possibility. Apparently, blind trusts are very complicated. I, I need to read more about them. But the U.S. government, Office of Government Ethics, apparently doesn't think they're a solution to conflict. So, yeah, we need people who understand finance. But it would, the, look at what Rosengren and Kaplan decided to do. They decided, and by the way, Rosengren is an you, academic. You got mad at me yeah. last time. You got mad at me last time when I made a joke like this. But it's like, all right, you guys can't own anything. Own anything. You can only own cash, dollars. They're like, no, that's not, I don't want those. I'm, I'm killing the dollars. No, so, so that's what they're stuck with, the thing that they're debasing on a daily and, basis. And by this, if you take this to extension, <laughs> should senators and, and, and congressional leaders not be able to do the same yes. thing? I mean, that, that because 100%. you have a lot of senators who have made a lot of money you have yep. senators, well, should be able to, and who they, are writing all the legislation. But for, they can't hold dollars either. Yep. Because they're affecting the price of the currency. So what does that mean? They have to, you have to be no, monks? No, no, no. Joe, Joe. They have to that, give everything look. away? And, and even the academics in the Senate a whole bit, have big holdings, are millionaires at this point. I mean. Yeah, the, the, the Senate and the congressional rules, I think, are not even in the League of the Fed rules because the Senate and, and, and Congress has a lot more work to do than the Fed does in any respect, which is interesting because, you know, Warren wrote that letter apparently excoriating. Right. The holdings of Fed officials, while the senators themselves, they seem to be able to do, they, they can do insider trading, as far as I can tell, when I looked at their rules, which is different from the Fed. What, what happened and they're last writing the tax year, legislation to make sure that they can benefit themselves. And where, do you draw, exactly. where do you draw the line? What, what, you leave public service and you buy a $15 million house on Martha's Vineyard. What are you, you talking you're about? Le- I'm talking about where do, you, where do you draw the line on what you're able to cash in on your government service or whatever it is that, that you've done. You see any ex-presidents that aren't worth $100 million? Hold on. We can talk about how people make income after their time in government. That, that's There's like a lot a of conflict everywhere. That's a, that's a, that's so, a, that's a different conversation right, about a revolving door. If you think it door. is, if you think it the is, The question fine. is whether you should be allowed to effectively inside trade on information really, you have. They have rules around. Quiet peers, they, they obviously were, were sensitive to how it looked. Yes, but we just are now having a conversation about Congress, which is not sensitive right. to how anything looks. We're all part of the same hypocrisy. I mean, you can take this At to, some point, you have to decide. But the point is that you shouldn't be buying individual stocks. I think that's fair, correct? You don't, you don't agree with that? I, I, I need to think about you it. You think when you're legislating... Things that are going to affect the stock price. I, 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 try to see the, to I try to see the stocks. I try to see the good in people and think they're not going to take advantage of situations like that. And you don't see people taking advantage of all the time in the grossest ways. Come on, like come who? on. I don't know. I've made my point about you know the guys making the laws are the ones that probably are benefiting more than anyone. And that's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin will all be back on Squawk Box Monday morning. And this podcast is available for you for free anytime on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen. You can also find us on Twitter. Our handle is Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.